it is my distinct pleasure, ladies and gentlemen, to bring to you the man, the myth, the legend in Kansas City, Soren Petro himself from WHB in Kansas City. He's the big wig afternoon drive host out there. Mr. Petro, thank you so much for enjoying, uh, joining the program. Uh, Dan, Your Excellency, uh, thank you so much for having me. It's, uh, it's certainly my pleasure. It's your honor. You didn't know I was. I'm, my, my bad. I'm my a bad. judge. Uh, your honor. Yes, your honor. Yeah, my bad. Yes. Get it right, Petro. No. <laughs> it's been I a thought, while. You know, I thought I'd uh, you know give you a raise, uh, bump you up a little bit there. We'll, yeah. we'll, we'll take you all the way to uh, you know uh, we'll, we'll send you to the Vatican. Yeah, Supreme Chancellor, or something like that. Yeah, uh, <laughs> it's been a while. How you been, man? Are you still coaching, running up the score on eight-year-old uh, girls? What are you doing out there? <clears throat> You know, I like, uh, uh, you know, I, I thought, you know, three uh, league titles, uh, two tournament championships with only one loss in three years was enough. Plus, the girls were getting old enough that they were kind of starting to lip back. And I was like, uh, homie, don't play that. Peace out. Somebody else deal with them when they get to be this age. So uh, I thought my three years were enough. And our, our success and our, our development uh, has been outstanding. We got one young lady who's already had a uh, high school coach say that he will drive her home from school every day if she will go play high school basketball at, at his school. So I, I feel like I did my part, Dan. You're, you're retiring on top, just like John Elway, right, uh, Soren? <laughs> exactly, yes. Peace out. I'm, I'm out. Uh, you, know, I'm, I'm, you know, my bones, are the cold weather is too much on my bones. I remember John Elway talking about being down at the Super Bowl. Well, I might play three or four more years if, uh, if I played down here in, the, in, in South Florida the whole time. It's cold. You know that. In fact, it's it's more cold where you are in Kansas City. It's hard when you get to be a certain age. Soren? Yeah, it is. It is, man. The, the, the cold weather sucks. There, there's no way around it. So, uh, you know, you just grin and bear it. Um, but, uh, listen, we get our – we get our, and in Denver is like this, too. I know, you know, if, it's not like it's, you know, 20 degrees all winter. We get 45 and things like that. Like, t- today is a little chilly, but I think we're getting almost – uh, 50, but we're going to have four straight days over 50 uh, starting with uh, tomorrow. Super Bowl Sunday is going to be 57 for crying out loud. All right, outstanding. Now, talk to let's talk about it. So, the Patrick Mahomes is completely healthy. I wouldn't go that far. Uh, you know, I think you're talking about an ankle that most people wouldn't even try to play. Like, if if the Chiefs were four and one, and this were week six, like I don't think he would have played against the Bengals two weeks ago. I don't think he'd be playing this week. I think he'd probably be out for. Uh, four to six weeks of action and, and try to get it fully healthy. So I don't, I don't think it's going to be healthy until he can get off of it and stay off of it. But uh, the range of motion, all the treatment, all the you know things that they do now, uh, he should be better than he was against Cincinnati. That's as far as I'll go. I know I've heard you know some people, uh, you know, try to uh, point towards he's eighty-five, he's ninety, he's ninety-five percent. Uh, you know, I, I won't try to put a percentage on him. I think his arm. His head and his arm, which are the most important parts, are 100%. His legs are, are probably, I'm thinking, more in the 60%, 70% range. So he's going to have to change the way he plays like he did against the Bengals. I think Andy Reid's going to have to you know, check himself a little bit about how he calls things, make sure he's got an outlet, a dump off, because uh, a lot of times that they don't like to do that. He likes to get everybody down the field and into the pattern. I think he's going to have to coach it a little bit different, and I think he will. But, uh, you know, this is not uh, vintage Patrick Mahomes for sure. So, did I see that correctly, though, that no injury designations whatsoever, no Travis Kelsey in his back, no Patrick Mahomes in his ankle, no injury designations for the Chiefs? 
Yeah, that's correct. So there's there's nobody who's you know I mean like I said, Mahomes is def, definitely not 100, percent but he's not limited in practice at all. So uh, he's doing everything they they want him to do in practice, which isn't much now. Let's be honest, this this late in the season, it's not like they're you know four times put on the pads and we're, we're popping it around like it was uh, you know uh, back in training camp or anything. But you know, so he went through everything. The the, the I, I'll tell you something to watch if for some reason the Chiefs have a sluggish performance and they lose and and maybe even lose uh, by double digits. There are a number of guys that were sniffling and coughing and apparently some kind of what they're calling as a cold uh, is making its way through the team. Andy Reid had it when he first got down to Arizona. Uh, Travis Kelsey, Chris Jones, I mean, some of the big names have been battling a cold. So that is something that I would keep an eye on, but I'm sure there's IV fluid. You know, everything you could ever want to treat a cold is going on right now. uh, Maybe just something to have in the back of your mind. I was going to say, did you see the movie Wonder Woman? I did not. Okay, so there's this general that uh, is set during World War II, and he had this whole thing. He would just sniff, and it would give him superpowers. At this in this day and age, don't we assume they have that at all times in NFL locker rooms? I mean, there's got to be something special, right? Well, I mean that that's what we're hoping. You know, there, there's a few people that are wondering, like, okay, are they just calling it a cold, and really it's the flu, and they don't want to let Philadelphia know that they're going to be compromised. Other people, you know, saying, well, you know, is it COVID? Is COVID running through there? I mean. You know, listen, until they play the game and play well, there will always be people uh, that are afraid that it's something more than uh, teams are letting on. And I don't know why they think that, because teams, NFL teams are always so honest and upfront about everything they do. Right. Now, wait a minute. Let me call you out on something. You have a young daughter. We just covered you, coached her to three, three championships. Yeah, you, ca- you caught that. I, I, I Trust me, I heard that. Like, I should be the guy who, uh, who saw one of them. She actually went with classmates. Uh, my oldest daughter did. My youngest daughter uh, didn't go. But, yeah, you, I, I heard how bad that was. That A father of two daughters hasn't seen Wonder Woman. Is, and it's a, is, yes, it's, it's a, a great it's, movie. Uh, it's, it's a black mark for sure. It's a great movie. Now, the second one was, was garbage. But the first one, by the way, you know, Gal Gadot. Now, when you and I were growing up, uh, what was it, Linda Carter? I watched yes. that just because I didn't even know why I liked it. But now I know why I liked it because she was, you know, she was easy on the eyes and Gal Gadot or Godot, however you say it. Come on, Saran, you got to get with the got to get with the deal. Yeah. All right. Well, you know, uh, as soon as I hang up the phone, uh, I'll head sure. to the streaming services and find me uh, some Wonder Woman to watch. I'm sure you're, you're right. Going to be right on it. Um, uh-huh. So, what do you think? What do you think about the game? You think that it. Uh, it Patrick Mahomes being as healthy as you said he was going to be to the extent he's going to be, you think it's his game to lose? I don't know. What, what, what's your call? Um, I, I, well, I think the perception is, you know, most people that I hear, and certainly all the ex-players are picking the Eagles. Now, I always think that's that's good because I think players are terrible at prognostication on yes. on games. So I like when, you know, the 50 uh, ex-NFL players that are employed by ESPN and NFL Network are largely taking the Eagles. That, that makes me feel good. I think, listen, my, my view of this is the Eagles are a very good football team, and if the Chiefs make mistakes – uh, the ball doesn't bounce their way. The Eagles can win, uh, and win and win by two two scores. I mean, I think, and I think the same is true the other way. I think there are two very even teams. You know, they get to being that way in in different ways, but they're two pretty even teams. And if somebody has a plus two day, they're probably going to win by double digits. So I, I think you know this one. We always hear about turnovers. Turnovers are important, of course. Extra possessions nowadays, with as fast as the clock ticks and as accurate as quarterbacks are, you don't get many possessions anymore. And so, yes, turnovers are going to be big in this. And if it if it goes one way or the other, it will be a blowout. But the part that I kind of bristle at that I don't think is maybe accurate is 
the, the portrayal of the Eagles' defensive line being this overwhelming defensive front and how can they be stopped. They, they added Hassan Reddick from last year, and they have 70 sacks. 70, not, you know, 700. And that's a great number, uh, but they had 29 last year. And I think you look like, okay, did Hassan Reddick mean that much for the, for the Eagles? Has this, has this really been that big a deal? And I think when you dig a little bit deeper, you'll realize that this list of names, Jared Goff, first week of the year, Kirk Cousins, Carson Wentz, Trevor Lawrence, before he figured it all out, Kyler Murray, Cooper Rush, Kenny Pickett, Davis Mills, Taylor Heineke, Matt Ryan, whatever's left of Aaron Rodgers, Ryan Tannehill, Daniel Jones, Justin Fields, Dak Prescott, who hung 40 and beat the Eagles, Andy Dalton, Davis Webb, and Daniel Jones, followed by Brock Purdy slash Josh Johnson in the playoffs, is not exactly murderer's row of quarterbacks. So whatever this Eagle defense is, and it's good, it's not as good as everybody thinks when you play against that kind of riffraff at quarterback. And so a lot of those sacks are guys who don't get rid of the ball, guys that don't get the read, guys who don't take throws that quarterbacks with bigger arms would take. So I think that eagle front and that eagle pass rush is overrated. Uh, their offensive line is being heralded. I've heard some people say one of the best of all time. It allowed 44 sacks. A Chiefs offensive line that's being called questionable allowed 26 sacks. Now, again, part of that comes back to the quarterback. I mean, the same thing I just said about the, you know, the, the quarterbacks the Eagles faced is true. I think Mahomes is better at getting rid of the ball and, and not taking the negative play than Jalen Hurts is. So I'll grant that the Eagles O-line is better than the Chiefs and that their D-line is better than the Chiefs. But the margin is not much. And I think that's the part that's being overplayed. Um, so if you in the line of scrimmage are going to win by just a little bit, then if the quarterback's going to win by a lot, and I think that's the expectation and needs to be the reality if the Chiefs are going to win, then that's either balanced out or more than balanced out uh, with, with Patrick Mahomes. Then the question is Nick Sirianni versus Andy Reid, and, and I think that's a, that's a wild card. You know, Andy Reid has done great things, but he's also had some days where he hasn't been at his best. So, you know, I, I think this is a very even game. I think the spread is right. Historically speaking, the Hall of Fame quarterback wins. Do you think Jalen Hurts is a Hall of Famer? If you do, this is anybody's game. If you don't think he's a Hall of Famer, then probably Patrick Mahomes wins. Veteran quarterbacks with Super Bowl experience against quarterbacks that haven't had Super Bowl experience are 15-7 and outright in a game like this. So, yeah, I think there's a lot of things that don't get talked about as much that point towards the Chiefs uh, as opposed to a lot of the conversation I hear uh, pointing towards the Eagles. Well, here's my big question. It's actually the, the opposite of what you were talking about. Chiefs defensively, Chris Jones seems like he was on a one-man mission to get to the Super Bowl last time they played. But the rest of the defense, how will they be prepared for something they probably haven't seen a lot of, that the Seagulls' offense is different, and I think they do a lot of things differently than other teams in the league. How do you think they're going to stack up against that offense? You know, um, I, I think they, they have a pretty good blueprint uh, for what they want to do. They have not played as many teams that, that you know, are run-centric first and, and are going to uh, allow the quarterback to take the kind of hits that the Eagles do. They do play the Bills, and Josh Allen plays that way, and the Bills beat him this year. Um, they played the Cardinals early, uh, early in the year, first, first week of the year. In fact, they can be the second team in history to start and finish the season with a championship in the same town. Um, you know, so they, they, they played that kind of running quarterback. They didn't play the Ravens this year, but Lamar Jackson is someone they've played every year for about three or four years. So there is, for certainly the, the older guys, and there are plenty of rookies that haven't seen this as much, uh, but the older guys have, have been through this, and I think Steve Spagnuolo's prepped for this kind of offense and everything. But it doesn't mean just because you've seen it doesn't mean you can execute it. And, it, you know, if this is the best offensive line and the best running quarterback and the best combination of running backs, then, you know, this is a challenge that, that maybe is their greatest challenge to try to start 
stop. I will say this. The Chiefs added a lot of youth on the defensive side of the ball, um, and, it, and it's really come around in the second half of the season. Now, part of that's schedule-driven as well, just from the statistics, but just the overall team speed is better. And, you know, they, they, they've been a terrible rush defense for the last couple of years. This year they're in the top ten. They focused on that. They're better at it. Uh, if they get you into long down and distances, you mentioned Chris Jones. It starts with him. But they've had a lot of other guys really step up all along the defensive line. George Karloftis, the rookie defensive end, had five and a half sacks in the last seven games. You know, after getting a lot of pressures in the first half, they finally started turning into sacks in the second half. Carlos Dunlap, Michael Dana's really come on since he came back from injury, had a two-sack game, I think, against Jacksonville. So, you know, they are a better team defensively, certainly than they were when they played in 19 and 20 in the Super Bowl. Um, But, you know, they're missing that Tyreek Hill element they're not very good on special teams in fact they've been deplorable on special teams and that's something they used to be able to hang their hat on so you know it's 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 a different look for the Chiefs they're still very good but they're good in different ways this time around all right so I know you guys have probably had some spirited discussion about this in your city in Kansas City if the Chiefs win are they a dynasty and if they don't win what does it mean well, if they don't win, they're definitely not. I mean, I think that's one of the things that's at stake. If they don't win, Andy Reid still only got the one championship, and now they start to fold all the conference championship games he lost in with the fact that he's 1-3 in the Super Bowl. Uh, Patrick Mahomes is a guy who's certainly the best player, but you know he's, he's probably falling off the pace of Tom Brady. If they win... Patrick Mahomes has played in three Super Bowls six years in. Tom Brady had played in three. Brady was 3-0 and at the age of 28. Mahomes is 27. He'd be 2-1. and uh, He's destroying Tom Brady statistically. 24,000 career passing yards to 18,000. 193 touchdowns. Uh, 192 touchdowns to 123 for Tom Brady. His playoff numbers are off the charts. Um, you know, he'd have uh, the, the two Super Bowls. Um, you know, I, I think what's at stake is the beginning of a dynasty. Are they a dynasty yet? No, but they're they're undeniably the top dog in the NFL, undeniably number one in the AFC. I think they cemented that again by knocking the Bengals off uh, last time. But they would undeniably be the top team. But are they a dynasty? No, but they're the only team that could say that they're on the precipice of being a dynasty. And I, and I think that's what's at stake. Oh, will people in Kansas City say they're a dynasty? Oh, probably. But But in reality, you've got to do more than they would have done at that point. But they're sitting under the cap for next year uh, and and have a very young team. I mean, they played 10 rookies in the AFC Championship game, eight on defense, um, you know, and they've got a lot of second-year players as well. You know, the only decision they're going to have to make in this offseason, Chris Jones will be going into the final year of his deal if he treats it the way Tyree Kill did. He'll want a new deal or he'll want to be traded, and I think that's what we'll be watching as soon as the parade, if they have one, and, and before they get on the plane, if they lose. Uh, we'll be watching Chris Jones and what his status is but otherwise you know he's 29 years old if you wanted to keep him for three more years he figures to be playing at a high level no one else is really ready to walk they've got decisions to make it wide receiver but they did a pretty good job of that last year so you know they'll they'll have it in their pocket they'll have the start in their pocket and they're not going anywhere come next year this isn't a team that's way over the cap and about to crash they're in better cap situation than the buffalo bills are uh very soon they'll be in better cap they're, they're in just slightly worse cap uh, position uh, or maybe they are slightly better than the bengals but the bengals are gonna have a whole bunch of important guys hit at the same time so it's you know dynasty now no but uh, if, if you don't want to see a Chiefs dynasty, you better be rooting hard for the Eagles because they'll be in position to start making that a reality right after this. All right, just a couple of questions I want to ask you for your perspective from outside the market on the Broncos. Now, if you recall, during the offseason, 
I was trying to have some fun with you. I was trying. We're doing a skit, and I was trying to get you to say that Russell Wilson is the new king of the AFC West. And you said, Dan, no, I'm not saying that. Uh, no. But but during our conversation, you did believe, and we all did, um, that he was going to be a major influence, and he was going to it was going to inject some new life um, into the Broncos as they competed for the division. I believe you said you thought the Broncos might be neck and neck with the Chiefs for the division. We were all stunningly wrong on it. How did this happen? Um, I, I said they were the closest team to it, but uh, I don't know what I would have said when I talked to you, but we, we have our little predictions that we do, and we were going through them. I, the Chiefs 12-5 and five and winning the division. So I did have the Broncos in the playoffs. So I think everything you said is accurate uh, other than the neck and neck, which even then I'm old, so I may have said that, but <laughs> that was foolish if I did. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's no doubt. Yeah, I mean, like everybody else, uh, it, it looked too good on paper. And, and what I think is, you know, I don't mean to be doom and gloom, the the frustration part of the reason it looked good on paper is there's a lot of guys that are in their prime. Like this, this isn't a team though that's got a bunch of first year guys. There are a number of veteran guys that are a part of this mix, and so you know they're a little older than than people might realize. They're they're not the little engine that could that's just coming off the number one overall pick. You know there, there's some guys that have to be paid along the way, and and obviously Russell Wilson's contract is is going to be a giant burden. It gets even bigger now as as the Broncos move forward, and he's not going anywhere uh, with it. So look. I, I still believe Russell Wilson can play football. I think a lot of things were mismanaged. Nathaniel Hackett was a train wreck. I don't remember if I was on with you, but after the first game and he botched that situation, I said, he has to be fired. Like, he can't. They're like, oh, from one mistake? I said, listen, if an admiral left port, they leave San Diego with the U.S. Pacific Fleet, and within sight of San Diego, he turns one of his, you know, uh, battleships. I know we don't really have battleships in the fleet anymore, but stick with me here. Turns the guns of his battleship to the right and fires into the side of the aircraft carrier and sinks the, sinks the aircraft carrier. It's only one mistake. Yeah. But it's one you can't come back from. You, you can't sink the aircraft carrier and say, like, okay, hang on, give me a new one, and we'll go out and we'll do it better. And, and I said, the point isn't that it's, like, just one mistake. It's a mistake that is so egregious, it shows that he can't possibly be getting the other things right. And, and that was the problem. Is like, it was doomed right then. Like, you can't have that kind of mistake. And, and, and anyone start to believe, and certainly any player believe, that you're going to make the right decisions on other things. So getting Sean Payton in there is huge. It will be a giant, you know, turn in the right direction at least for accountability, for the right culture. Um, you know, you sell your soul to him with the personnel, and frankly, he left a, a carcass in New Orleans, a bad, you know, of, of a very bad cap situation, and won championship. I think he'll make Russell Wilson better if they can coexist. If it doesn't go well, he'll figure out a way to get rid of Russell Wilson after one year and go get his guy in there. But there's no doubt there's real coaching. And, look, Patrick Mahomes is the most important thing in Kansas City. The second most important thing is Andy Reid. Then the third most important thing is Brett Veach and the personnel side. And, and those are the questions in that order that, that Denver has to figure out. Well, so how does that work with Veach? Like, I, I think we all assume that he's, he's not like a, a lap dog, but like he, Andy Reid calls all the shots. Obviously, you need an administrator there to, to, to execute that. How much sway does Veach have? You know, so it's like we always – that conversation has always had like two guys don't get along and who ultimately gets the hammer, right? And good football organizations, that, that's not how it works. Even if they – even if Brett Veach wasn't – you know, didn't start as Andy Reid's, you know, like literally his assistant in the office, right, and then work his way all the way up uh, through the system to get to where he is – 
you need a general manager and a head coach that, that work together. You need healthy disagreements. You need to discuss your way through it and then find a resolution. Listen, Andy Reid didn't go, um, you know, Patrick Mahomes is going to be my quarterback in this year. Brett Veach went down, saw him at Tech, and for a year and a half, really, even before the draft, before they took Patrick Mahomes, Veach was putting clips of Patrick Mahomes on Andy Reid's desk selling him. Now he wasn't the general manager yet, but but selling him on the fact that this is the guy. Whatever it takes, when we get there to that draft, when he comes out, this is our guy. We have to go get him. And and they worked on it, and he broke down the tape with them, and he said, okay, I see what you're seeing. And, and they you know, listen, they, they clearly come of like minds. The system that Andy Reid wants to run, the type of player that he wants, Brett Beach is very familiar with that. So he's not going to go try to push a square peg into a round hole. So the fact that they come at it from the same view of, of, of football, uh, the style of football they want to play, how they want to build the team, uh, the chemistry they want in the clubhouse, there aren't a lot of disagreements. Like if, if he said, we're taking this wide out, and Andy Reid said he can't play, are they taking him? No, they're not. But is Andy Reid saying we're going to take this wide out, this running back, this tight end, and this corner? No, he's not. Brett Beach brings it, brings the list, as in any effective organization. But I think the, the league has dictated that the head coach is more important, right? So you're not going to jam uh, a player down a coach's throat. You don't even want to do that with position coach. I remember talking to Carl Peterson back in the day. He said, I will never force a player in the draft on a coach because then as soon as you get out there and the guy's not playing and you go to the guy, why aren't you playing? He said, I never wanted him anyway. He's got a built-in excuse. So you've got to get the coach to buy in on who you think the best player is, and you've got to come to a common ground. And I think that's, that's the secret with Veach and Andy Reid. No one's going to push anything on Andy Reid. No one. Uh, not even the business office. No one. Everything in that organization runs the way Andy Reid wants it to run. But Brett Veach doesn't have to force it on him because they're of the same mind, and they work well together, and they come to uh, a conclusion uh, that, that both of them agree upon before they make any decisions. All right, last thing for you, you mentioned Sean Payton. He was asked, who do you like in the Super Bowl? And he says, oh, Eagles all the way. I'm never going to root for anybody in our division to have success. Do you like it? You think the rivalry is going to have a new level to it now that he's in town? Yeah, I mean, I do. Uh, because, again, I, I think he'll take what's there and make what's there better. I, I think, you know, Bronco fans and certainly those of us in, in Kansas City and, and people that, that try to analyze football will wonder, can he make the personnel part work i mean you know listen you're talking about a guy who you know traded back into the draft and granted it's a low level pick but just think of the mindset traded back into the draft to get a quarterback that was a was a runner hybrid type when he already had peyton hillis and drew Brees. like he needed like another peyton hillis like there is a little bit of a mad scientist and so there needs to be some checks and balances somebody's going to have to be able to you know keep him in check and not just give him all his toys and and not just sign everybody he wants to sign like that was the mistake in new orleans like they they kept playing it like they were all in for one championship. And with the age of the Broncos, that may be the best thing to do. Um, you know, again, they're not geriatric, but they're not, they're, not, they're not a super young team either. So that may be the best thing to do and then say, okay, then we'll, we'll rework it. And, and who thinks Sean Payton's going to coach there for 20 years? If you got one Super Bowl out of it, would you take it? One yes. championship? Uh, yes. So, you know, but I, I think you got to be careful about, you know, how much you pile into it. That's what the Chiefs did a really good job, and that's what the Tyree Kill trade was all about was – we're good enough to win every year, and we don't have to you know, sacrifice two years of ability uh, to just get a little bit better here in one year. So we're going to move Tyreek Hill, and we're going to put ourselves in a better cap situation, get us the picks we need. And like I said, I mean, they played against the Cincinnati Bengals when LeJarrius Sneed went down on the fourth snap. 
Three rookie corners went up against the Bengals' vaunted receiving core, and they came away a winner. A rookie safety was the third safety in that a rookie defensive end started. Like, you have to have talented, effective, young, cheap players, and those come in the draft, uh, and, not, and, and, and you have to have lots. The bulk of your team has to be first-contract guys. You just can't make it work any other way, and, and Russell Wilson's deal will prohibit that from happening. So maybe you can put a Rams run together all in for one year and then crash hard afterwards. No one in Los Angeles minds right now. I guarantee you they'll mind next year. They'll mind the, next, the year after when they're still digging out. But I think it's going to be real interesting to see how the, how the team gets put together under Sean Payton. All right, Seren Petro, WHB in Kansas City, thank you so much for your time. Dan, you're the man. Let me know when you want to talk some uh, pitchers and catchers with the uh, Royals reporting the surprise. I know that's right around the corner. That will be never, but thank you for uh, the offer. <laughs> you're the man, Dan. All right, take care. Seren Petro, if you'd like to react to him, your chance coming up next.